Great to see you this Wednesday night. It's good to be together. Happy Ash Wednesday, everybody. So like I said, we're going to start off with, uh, I'm going to share a little bit of vision for Lent for this season that we're kicking off, why we're participating in it, how we're going to participate in it. We'll take communion together and we are going to worship together and that will be our time together for this evening. So that's, that's what that's going to look like. You're going to want to take some notes, I think, tonight, um, especially if participating in Lent is new for you. Raise your hand if you grew up participating in Lent, the Lenten season. I don't even know exactly how to say it. Handful. Go ahead. Okay. Raise your hand if this is like pretty new to you in the last three years of your life to participate in this. Awesome. Yeah, that's our, our church. We just kind of started of sort of officially participating in Lent in the last three years, and it's been a joy. It's been a rich addition to our church rhythm. So obviously, this is new for a lot of us. Um, it's familiar for some, but it's also one of those things that when you say Lent, it can kind of mean something different to everybody sometimes, depending on how you grew up, where you grew up, what it was like, all of that sort of thing. So I'm hoping that tonight we can just kind of come unified and not say this is the only thing that you can ever talk about during Lent, but this is kind of our focus for Lent in general and for this, this year even specifically. So the first thing I want to talk about is just the question, what, what is Lent? What, what is Lent? Lent is a, a season, a, a ritual, or a season of remembering Jesus and his salvation. Pretty simple. We're, we, we participate in Lent as an act of remembering Jesus and remembering salvation. In Lent, we take these 40 days to remember the sufferings of Jesus, the sufferings of his life. Uh, obviously, he, he had the sufferings of his death, but you suffer in your own way trying to be righteous in this life, right? Imagine doing it perfectly. That'd be pretty hard. <laughs> and I mean, the, the life of Jesus was a, a suffering on the whole in so many ways. We remember that he suffered through a human life. We remember the sufferings of his temptations. We remember the suffering that he entered into in his 40 days of fasting. And we remember the suffering that he went through in his death. And over these 40 days, we remember all of that as an extended preparation of celebrating his resurrection from his life of suffering. We introduce for our own lives a measure of suffering or a measure of, of desolation into our lives to serve as an act of daily remembrance and to act as scripture says, to act and to intentionally choose a participation in the sufferings. We, we remember his suffering by, by choosing to participate in some measure with suffering or, or with desolation. Just like we take time to remember Jesus every Sunday together by taking communion in our Selah time, in the Lent season, we choose to introduce daily reminders for an extended season to consistently remember the Lord in everything that we do. So for anybody who wants to grow in remembering Jesus more throughout your day, or you want to Remember how to pray. You want to grow in praying without ceasing. 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 <laughs> I don't know where that came from. So for anybody who's wanting to grow in like, gosh, I just, I wish I thought about God more. Or the scripture tells me to pray without ceasing. I would love to grow in that. 
Or Jesus in John 15 talks about abiding in him. That sounds good. I'd like to get better at that. If that's you, if you've ever had those thoughts, the Lent season is a phenomenal opportunity for you to participate in. This is right up your alley because it is a season of remembering Jesus and remembering his salvation. Now, I want to make an, uh, sort of a... Um, why am I blanking on the word I'm looking for? I'm just going to say it and skip the sentence I was just trying to say. This is a season of remembrance and repentance, not a season of penance. So this is a season of remembrance and repentance, not penance. So we're going to talk about some words here because I think it's important. Like if you Google what does Lent mean, it will talk about a season of penitence, which is different than penance. This is why we're talking about this. <laughs> so there's a difference between penitence and penance, okay? So penitence is, is the feeling of sorrow for sin or, or the, the action of feeling sorrowful. And, and it's the act of, it's like part of the act of repentance. It's the act of turning. It's, it's a contrition. It's a recognition that, yeah, I did sin. And that's a sad thing. That's a real thing. That's a costly thing that matters that I did that. And that was a mistake and that was wrong. And there's, it's very right to be contrite. And when you recognize your own guilt and sin, but that's different than penance. Penance is like a punishment as an act of trying to take care of that sin in your own strength, kind of. So penitence is the sorrow that leads to repentance. Penance is like, so now I'm going to punish myself for it. That's not what we're going for. That's what I say, this is not a season of penance to say we're going to step into the sorrows of Jesus as a way of earning something with God. But we are going to enter into the reality that contrition is a necessary part of repentance. It's challenging to actually repent from your sin without really even being sorry for it. You can't just be like, ah, it's not a big deal, but I'll just repent. You know, part of true repentance comes from a real recognition that we really did sin and Jesus really did actually die and suffer to pay for my sin. And that feels like something. And that's a beautiful thing. Just like communion doesn't earn anything from God, participating in Lent is not about earning something from God. It's about choosing to enter into an intentional season of remembering him, an intentional season of focusing on him. It's, it's another rhythm of spiritual discipline that we can insert into the rhythms of our normal lives to help us stay awake in the white noise of life. We take communion every Sunday because we need the reminder every Sunday. Life comes, here we go again. And, and Lent is an extended season of basically that Selah moment into the white noise of our life to sharpen our focus on Jesus and on the things of the kingdom of God. So that's what Lent is. Why do we celebrate Lent? Why did we choose in the last few years to insert, into, insert this season into our local church calendar? Number one, we did it because we want to be purposeful. Just like taking communion 
and doing Selah or having Sabbath as a part of our lives and so many other things. We want to be a purposeful people in implementing remembrance into our busy and loud lives. Lent isn't like a biblical commandment in that sense. It's not a specific instruction that you have to do Lent in the way that we do it. But it is biblical in the sense that we do biblical things for the sake of biblical fruit in the Lent season. Like exercising self-discipline is absolutely a biblical concept. Exercising self-discipline towards the end of growing in righteousness is absolutely a scriptural idea. Repentance is obviously in the Bible. And 40, the reason it's 40 days is that 40 is, an ex, is a significant number in the Bible. It signifies throughout Scripture an important time or an important time frame, an important period or event. Um, it also usually has some partnership with trial or with testing or with suffering. Um, and specifically, the 40 days of Lent is framed around the 40 days of Jesus's trial and suffering of his fasting, like I mentioned, that led to his uh, conquering of his temptations. So we do this because we want to be purposeful ourselves to remember that Jesus suffered for us. Number two, we do this because we want to grow. You know in your own life that discipline leads to growth, Right? And we, we want to grow. We, we want to mature in the things of God. Intentionality leads to growth. You don't grow really in any way personally. Your marriage doesn't grow or you don't grow financially or professionally without intentional discipline towards growth. Everybody involved in marriage encounter, you're doing that because it takes intention, a season of intentional investment into that area of growth if you want to see the growth. And it's the same for your spiritual life and in your walk with God. It doesn't happen by accident. Growth and maturity, it doesn't just happen by accident. You don't just stumble your way um, into, oh, wow, look at that. I just grew in my spiritual disciplines without having to be spiritually disciplined. <laughs> So we want to take advantage of, of seasons like this by choosing to leverage them as an investment, a, pur a purposeful investment into our spiritual growth with the Lord. Number three, we have decided to do this because we value church history. The church is bigger than we can imagine. The, the, the history of the church is broader than we really have any idea. This is why every Sunday before we take communion, whoever is doing the welcome to the service talks about one of the reasons we take communion is because it's, it's not just communion with me and God, it's communion with us unto the Lord. And it's, as the Apostles' Creed says, the communion of the saints, we get to step into the world history of the church. And in and, and Lent, we do something similar. This, this idea of the 40 days leading up to Easter as an extended remembrance of Jesus leading up to his resurrection, it goes back to the early church fathers, even back to the, the apostolic church. Maybe they didn't do Lent exactly like this, but but it's just, it's, it's always a human tool to leverage rhythms of the calendar to make sure you keep important things important. That's why we have holidays, so you don't forget those things, right? So this is a, is a church holiday. That's what it is. Many scholars agree that the, specifically the 40 days of Lent began being practiced as far back as the year 325. That's a lot of 
seasons of Lent that a lot of people have participated in to remember Jesus. And we step into that. We participate with our brothers and sisters in that. It's an act of humility to value. Maybe, maybe our mothers and fathers in the faith knew something. Maybe, maybe we can honor the fact that they instigated this rhythm into our life as believers, and, and we can receive that from them. So we value the wisdom of our fathers and mothers in the Lord. We value the history of the church, and we remember the saints of old as we step into this tradition as, of the broad body of Christ. Now, again, that's, it's, it's, not, it's not just an obligation. It's, we're, we're voluntarily choosing that we want to participate in something like this. We want to step in to this historic event that we can really, so that we can really understand the value of what we're participating in. Number four, the reason that we do this is because we love God. And this is a great act of loving God. Does anybody love God? That's not to say if you don't do Lent, you don't love God. But we do this because we do love God. <clears throat> One core attribute of love is that it suffers for the object of love. Love suffers because love, love is a fighting thing. It has to have that element. G.K. Chesterton put it this way. To love a thing without wishing to fight for it is not love at all. It's just lust. Without being willing to fight for something that you love or someone that you love, you, you love the idea, not actually love the person or the thing. And we step into a season of fighting to grow and encourage and build up and stir up our love for God in this season. And we remember that one way that God has loved us, one way that Christ loved us was that he suffered for us. The real person, Jesus, really did choose to go through very real sufferings because he really does love us. It's real. He fought for us, and we remember that. And one way that we love him, Scripture encourages us to fellowship with him in his sufferings. And of course, we do that in so many ways in our life when we go through sufferings and seasons of that and, and the things that we don't choose. Obviously, of course, we, we, that is absolutely part of it. And, and that's not to discount that, but, but Lent is saying, I'm, I, wanna, I want to somehow insert this remembrance of your suffering into my life, not as an act of obligation, but as an act of love and fighting for my love for you to stay hot in the same way that you fought to keep your love hot for me. One way that we love him is by fellowshipping with him and in his sufferings and remembering his sufferings. It is an act of love for God to mourn over your sin. Have you ever thought about that? It is evidence of your love for God when it breaks your heart that you would sin and turn from him. It, it, it is an act of love of righteousness to mourn over unrighteousness in your own life and in the world. It is an act of love to let that grief over sin to catalyze you towards action, the repentance, and saying, I am so broken over this real thing that I, I want to turn. 
I want to turn and I want to give you more than that, Lord Jesus. I want to turn and fight against the flesh. I want to fight against the flesh that drags me down. I want to fight against the flesh that tries to make my love for you grow cold. I want to fight against distractions that would tell me that you're not that big of a deal, that I can do this life without you. I want to fight against the lies of the world that I'm living in that is discipling me in things that go against your instruction. I will stand and I will fight against those things because I love you and I want you. So we participate because we love God. And number five, we participate because we value the resurrection. Easter is, in so many ways, the apex of Christian holidays. Paul in the New Testament, he says, if, if Christ hasn't raised, all of this is for naught. And we are to be pitied. This isn't even worth our time. If, if Christ hasn't been raised. And so Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And so to, as an act of celebrating Easter, we prepare ourselves for 40 days. Why celebrate Easter one day when you can do it for 40 something? As we always say, anything worth doing is worth overdoing, right? It's 40 days of, of not just remembering the resurrection, but part of remembering the resurrection is remembering why the resurrection had to happen. It's not just nice that Jesus raised from the dead. That's not just a cool party trick. It's everything. It's everything because it really happened. Because he really did die for really real sins that I really did commit against him. And we take 40 days to set ourselves towards this truth and remember that. We must remember that, that suffering is a central part of this gospel. Suffering is a central part of our faith and our walk of faith. And we need to remember that lest we fall into the temptation to be self-centered in our faith. We follow the God whose body really was broken and whose blood really was poured out. And as his followers, we should expect the same for ourselves. We should expect our bodies to be broken and our blood to be poured out, be that in actually dying or in the daily dying to self and dying to the world. We observe Lent to set our hearts and our souls and our minds and our strength towards remembering Christ's real suffering and a real death to pay for real sin that really was mine really was yours. And we celebrate the resurrection because he really did raise from the dead to real new life that you can really have. So that's what Lent is. That is why we as a church have inserted Lent into our annual church calendar. Now I want to talk briefly about how I want you to participate, how I want us to participate in Lent this year. There's three ways that I want to encourage you to participate in Lent this year. And I want to just go ahead and say, I, I'm not saying pick one of these three. I am encouraging you to do all of these three. I want you to really, really consider doing all of these three. The first way of participating is to fast from something. Fast from something. Fasting 
is a scriptural practice. It's been practiced in so many different ways in so many different parts of the world, not even actually just in our faith, but as a spiritual discipline. And it's a practice that scripture encourages us and tells us that in fasting, we break the bonds of wickedness and we break the power of the flesh. It's one of those things, it's kind of like, I don't fully understand it, but it kind of makes it pretty clear, so I receive it. It's kind of like baptism, you know? It's like, but you really did die, but you didn't. Praise the Lord. But the Bible says you also did, you know? So it's, it's just a good thing. Fasting, it is an act of crucifying the flesh. And that is something we must do if we want to walk in our new self. It is, an, it is one of the ways we put off the old self, right? And scripture exhorts us to do that. Fasting is the practice of remembering the supremacy of Jesus over the world. Remembering our desperation for Jesus in our daily lives. Fasting, specifically, is speaking to fast is abstinence from food or drink. It's not just abstinence from something. It's specifically abstinence from food or drink. And you set that thing aside for the purpose of making time to pray. Otherwise, you're just hungry, which is no fun. It's already not fun. (laughs) Might as well make it worth it and pray, right? Does anybody else not love fasting? That's just me? So this is why fasting is spiritual warfare, because you pray. You don't break the devil by not eating. (laughs) Prayer is where the power is. It is, fasting is whole self prayer. It's, it's whole body intercession and desperation for the things of God. Jesus fasted 40 days. Moses and Elijah fasted. Lots of, lots of fast. Fast in the law. Fasting is all over the Bible. Um, and Jesus not only fasted, he said that when he ascended that we would fast. And so I encourage you to fast these next 40 days from something that you like in food or drink. Something that you like. This isn't a diet. (laughs) Although it it can have that secondary effect. That's great. But I want to encourage, the point is that this is a noticeable sacrifice unto the Lord. It's a noticeable offering. It's something that you're going to recognize and you're going to remember throughout your day. Fasting isn't dieting, it's whole body prayer. And, And in this, you are commanding your appetite to remind you of the Lord. You are commanding your appetite to remind you over the Lord. And you are commanding yourself to hunger after the Lord more than you hunger after that thing. Doesn't make that thing bad. Doesn't make that thing something you should never eat again. It's just, let's not get weird about it. It's not about the thing. It's about the Lord. And we're setting ourselves towards that. So I encourage you, fast from something over these next 40 days. Number two, I want you to abstain from something. Abstain from something. So this is kind of the difference between fasting and abstaining. Fasting is specifically food and drink. Abstaining is other stuff. And fasting is mainly geared at removing something of food or drink as a reminder of prayer. It's an activity of remembering Jesus, longing for Jesus in the intention for making space for prayer. Abstinence is slightly different in the sense that it's self-discipline for the sake of virtue or for righteousness. So 
abstaining is to voluntarily refrain from doing something or enjoying something. Okay, so it is a act of self-discipline for the sake of virtue and righteousness. So we talked about virtue in our Build the Home series, if you remember this. And we said that Augustine defined virtue as rightly ordered loves. We have lots of loves, right? You love God and you love pizza and you love your wife and you love your kids. There's lot, you can love lots of things. We've just got to keep them rightly ordered, right? So that's what virtue is. It's rightly ordered loves. And we discussed how virtue is our weapon against vice. So Jesus commands us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And virtues are essentially the decisions that we make to aim our love at God. That's what virtues are. Vices are the distractions that make us choose to aim our love at ourself and the world, the things of the world. So what is maybe a vice or a distraction in your life that you can use this time to consecrate yourself to the Lord and discipline yourself to grow in him? Again, you know, a vice or a sin, that's obviously a bad thing, but, but is, are there just, is there just a distraction that is, would be worth your time over the next 40 days to refrain from as an act of disciplining that desire and that time towards an affection for God? If there's sin you're struggling with, this is a phenomenal time to dedicate intentional effort towards repentance and freedom. Say now, these 40 days... I'm getting my friends together. They're getting on my team. We're not doing this. That's a, great, that's a great idea. But maybe things that aren't necessarily sin, but are just maybe habits that you could, uh, we talked about the virtue of temperance, right? Maybe there's a habit that you could temper in this season, that you could choose to deny for this season. I watch too many YouTube videos. It is what it is. Okay, I watch too many YouTube videos. So I'm not watching YouTube over this Lent season. YouTube's not bad. I love trucks and special forces and guns and all those things. But for this season, that is a habit that I have that I'm going to, that I'm going to choose temperance and say I'm going to deny myself of, those, of that thing because I want to set my affections towards growing in righteousness. You see what I'm saying? Our family, we're putting away the TV. We're, we're taking it down tonight. We're putting it in the garage for this season. Maybe for you, it's movies or shopping or social media or the news or sports or podcasts or uh, secular music or coffee or something. I don't know what it is. It, I guess it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's just what is a habit that you can deny for a season to set yourself towards making space for God? Where can you choose for yourself to restrict a desire that you have in order to remember the Lord and focus that desire at him? So I want you to fast from something. I want you to abstain from something. And I want you to pray more. Isn't that your favorite spiritual discipline? Just pray more. How ambiguous, right? I would usually refrain at giving something that ambiguous. But really, I'm just, that's, what I want. that's what I want personally. I just want to pray more. I want that for you too, because praying is great and God is good and we should pray more. So fasting and abstaining will help catalyze you to moments of prayer throughout your day. And I, in addition to that, so as you fast and abstain, you will find that you will be catalyzed towards praying more. 
Because when you're hungry for that thing, you're going to think, oh, I'm not eating that thing. I might as well make it worth it and pray. Right? So it's catalyzing you towards moments of prayer. But I, I also want to passionately encourage you to insert over these 40 days an additional rhythm into your life of corporate prayer over this season, over these next 40 days. So you're going to have to do a little bit of history remembering back to last year if you were with me, if you were with us. Last year during our Ash Wednesday service, we talked about a word of the Lord that God had given the Antioch movement that everybody around the world was, was setting themselves towards stewarding. And it was this word, ignite the boiler room. Does anybody remember that from 2022 in some form or fashion? This, this, this call to ignite the boiler room. So like a ship, an old school ship would have a boiler room. It's not the penthouse. It's not the ballroom. It's down underneath, below decks, but it's the source of power where there has to be a constant fire to provide power to the ship. You can have all of the fixins, but if you don't have the boiler room, you're not going anywhere. And God was calling to us, come into the place of prayer and ignite the boiler the room. Ignite the place of fire in the Holy Spirit. Ignite the place of prayer and meeting with God. If you were here with us in November, uh, you know that the Antioch movement, global leaders, we all went to Rome. There's a couple hundred of us in Rome for a week seeking God together. And there was some powerful things. I came back and shared some of this in November. You can go back and listen to it if you want. But one of the things was that God spoke so clearly to all of us as we were together. Basically, you did it. Like all the U.S. churches, all the global teams have been putting effort in for 11 months to ignite this boy in the room. And we felt the word of the Lord. You, you did it. You, you ignited it. And the Lord spoke kind of our next word for our movement in regards to this boiler room idea. And we've, been, we've begun sort of talking about it as a church. I mentioned it back then. I don't think I've said it since then, so this might be new. But the next word is now burn the oars. Burn the oars. So if we continue with the ship idea, you ignite the boiler room to be the place of power. And, and to do that, you have to believe that that's the place of power, right? Now God is looking at us and, and, and he's in, exhorting us, burn the oars. Take the things that you use to do things in your own power. Or take the things that you use to control your own direction and throw them in the boiler room. Burn them. Will you not just believe that I'm your place of power, but will you surrender your direction to me as well? We've been talking as leadership team this year, how sad would it be? And we've sensed the fear of the Lord. What if we spent all last year igniting the boiler room and then we just left it and then we let it burn out? And we found that when, when, when you go into the place of prayer and God calls you to the place of prayer, that place of prayer is the reward right? The boiler room with God is the reward. And so God's saying, come into me. Don't, don't leave me now. Now that you've confessed that I'm your place of power, will you surrender your, your control? Will you surrender your direction to me as well? Will you believe that you can do nothing without me? Will we believe Jesus' words? You can do nothing without me. And, and this was essentially the prayer that God birthed in us for kingdom conference. Do you remember this? Your will, your way, your power. That's the burn the oars prayer. We just didn't know it yet. He didn't tell us that until a month after we started praying it. It was so cool. You should go back and listen to that message to hear some of the cool stories. That was fun. All that to say, this year God is calling us to trust him, to come to him, the all-consuming power, to let him highlight, Lord, what are the oars in my life? What are the ways that I try to take control? 
What are the ways that I try to steer the ship? And would you help me throw them in the fire of the boiler room? Would you help me not just believe that you're the source of power, but that you didn't, you're not giving, God's not giving us his power to do our thing. He's giving us his power to do his thing. And so we've got to burn the oars. We've got to surrender our control over the direction of our lives. So we have boiler room opportunities happening almost every day of the week, and I'm inviting you to pick something to commit to over these next 40 days. We're going to put them on the screen and talk through them real briefly. On Sunday mornings, we have pre-service prayer from 9.15 to 9.40 in the back of the church offices. On Mondays and Fridays, we have early morning prayer. This actually started before Kingdom Conference and hasn't stopped, which has been so fun. Mondays and Fridays from 5.30 a.m. to 6.30 a.m. here in the lobby of the church right back there. On Tuesdays, we have two Jesus hours. They're hours of of just worship and prayer and being in the presence of God. They're here in the sanctuary. That's at 6 a.m. and noon. There's not a lot of structure to it. It's mainly just come in and be with the Lord. And then we have prayer for the nations that happens every other Thursday at the Ramos' house. One thing that's not on there is we've got our men's discipleship group that's been happening. We've got a handful of weeks left of that. That's happening on Wednesday mornings from six to seven. So over these 40 days during the week, there there is a boiler room opportunity for you almost every day of the week. And I am exhorting you, pick one of these things to insert into your life over these next 40 days. Pick one of them and be faithful to it. Go six or seven times over the next 40 days. Just go make space for the Lord. Come into the place of power and let him highlight the places of control in your life and trust him enough to burn those things and see what he might do. See what he might do as you, as you make a space to, from, from abstaining from things, as you make space in fasting and prayer. Come and let him show you how to burn your oars. So we're gonna take a few minutes here. The band's gonna play a song for us. We're gonna stay seated. What I want you to do is I want you to, if you don't have something to take notes with right now, pull out something that you can write down with. And I want you to settle over these next four or five minutes. How are you going to participate these next 40 days? What are you gonna fast from? What are you going to abstain from? And which one of these prayer rhythms do you wanna commit to? Not out of a sense of obligation, but just in a response to encouragement. You know, this whole prophetic word of ignite the boiler room, burn the oars, or even this whole thing of Lent, or like I mentioned, baptism. The point is not that all these things make perfect sense, and so then you participate. Prophetic words aren't so much something to be understood as they are something to be responded to. And understanding comes along the journey. And so I'm, I'm just inviting you. I'm not begging you, I'm not commanding you, I'm just inviting you. Let's do this, let's do this together. So as the band plays, I want you to answer those three questions and you can do two things. Ask God, Lord, what, is there anything specific you're asking me to fast from or abstain from or is there any one of these prayer times that you're asking me to step into? But the second question is, well, what's in your heart? You know, maybe, maybe you don't sense the Lord saying something specific about fasting or whatever, but what's in your heart to give to the Lord over these 40 days? What, what's something you want, to, you want to fast from, you want to choose to abstain from as an act of offering to Him? 
So maybe the Lord will direct you specifically. Maybe you can just give kind of an offering of thanks to the Lord. But let's be still before God and let's settle in our hearts how we're gonna participate over these next 40 days. Then I'll come up and lead us in communion.
let's stand together as we prepare to take communion and kind of consecrate ourselves towards these 40 days. We're going to, I'm going to ask you to turn your attention to the screen. We're going to read Psalm 51 together. This is a traditional passage to read on Ash Wednesday as we start the Lent season. And we'll read this together as we get ready to take communion. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it but you will be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. Let's take the elements and prepare to take together. Lord, we receive your body this evening, the sacrifice given and broken for us. We consecrate ourselves to you in this season. We ask that you would have mercy on us and teach us to remember you in all of our ways. Let's take together. Lord, we remember your blood poured out for us. We celebrate you for your sufferings. We look forward to fellowshipping with you in these weeks to come. And we do ask that you would cleanse us in your righteousness, not in our own efforts, but that you would pour out revelation by the Holy Spirit of the righteousness purchased for us by your precious blood. We receive you and we remember you this evening in Jesus' name. Amen.
We're going to worship for just a couple of songs as we end our time together this evening. Let's sing together.